Variety lists Melissa Benoist as an actor to watch. The show gets honored by journalists. And we talk about super best friends forever. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to discuss the DC Nation shorts called Super Best Friends Forever. But first up, we have... The News. Variety.com included Melissa Benoist in their 10 TV actors to watch list with what looks like a brand new still of Supergirl in costume. And I think she looks awesome. It's really, really a great shot. It's a cool shot. And she looks pretty beat up, like her skirt's dirty. Looks like maybe she's got a, a run in the tights or something. She's. It looks like it's from the trailer where she's fighting the villain, whether it's Vartox or Lumberjack or a mixture of the two. But yeah, yeah. she looks she looks like she's uh, gotten dirtied up. Definitely. Oh, yeah, and there's the, uh, you see that truck on fire in the back. Yeah. Um, I forget, did she punch that in the trailer? Uh, I don't think she punches it directly, although she might later, but she definitely uses her body to stop it. Oh, yeah, it. she stopped it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that truck explodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's got some... Uh, dirt and stuff but the cape looks great her she looks good in the costume it's a cool shot and uh and it's exciting to see that already um uh, melissa benoist is getting some attention you know as an actor in this part That's oh really, yeah yeah it's a great sign yeah it's it's cool to see her kind of be one of those people who is probably gonna break out uh this next tv season so that is very exciting well, according to Deadline.com, Supergirl is among the eight honorees for the Broadcast Television Journalists Association's Most Exciting New Series category. The Wrap.com says that, quote, the selections were made by BTJA members based on pilots, early episodes, and trailers for series premiering after May 1st, unquote. So once again, the, the show is getting uh, recognized for uh, people getting excited about the show and being something that critics are already kind of paying attention to. That is really, really awesome. And hasn't even, the pilot hasn't even aired yet. It's amazing. <laughs> Smallville Supergirl, Laura Vandervoort, uh, spoke with the Star-Telegram about Melissa Benoist, saying, quote, It was a good idea to start fresh with a new actress because you don't want actors from Smallville reprising their roles. It would just seem odd. I'm totally happy for Melissa, end quote. I think it's neat to see the passing of the the torch, as it were, because Helen Slater did the same thing with her when uh, Laura Vandervoort was on Smallville. So it's cool to see them kind of all being in the same kind of Supergirl family. Yeah. And it's it's kind of an interesting like club to be in. Like now now the three of them will always have that in common no yep. matter what else happens. That's very very cool. 
Well, Business Insider partnered with Amobi or Amobi, not sure how to pronounce it, Brand Intelligence, a company that provides marketing insight and measures real-time content consumption across the internet, whether it be social and mobile, to find out which new TV shows are actually breaking through the clutter and getting the most attention. BusinessInsider.com reported that CBS's Supergirl soared above next season's new shows, receiving the most digital consumption and thus setting the bar against which the other shows are compared. And that, in addition to all the, the YouTube views, it's, I think people are getting really excited about it. That's, you know, and, and anytime anyone says, you know, nobody wants anything, you know, a, a female-led superhero anything, I'm going to be like, look at this. <laughs> yeah, there are statistics to back it up. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly people want this. There is a demand. Um, well, now that we've gotten through our news for the week, uh, we're going to get right into our discussion. Um, in this episode of Supergirl Radio, we're going to be talking about the DC Nation shorts uh, starring Supergirl, Wonder Girl, and Batgirl uh, called Super Best Friends Forever. Um, now, I know that last week we mentioned that we were going to be talking about Supergirl, who is Superwoman this week, but we're postponing that discussion. Why is that? Well, it just so happens that the story's writer, Sterling Gates, will be on Supergirl Radio next week. Yay! Yay! We're so excited about that. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, that story as well as some other stuff he's written with the man himself. So uh, definitely get excited for that and make sure you uh, listen to next week's episode as well. But right now we're going to talk about the DC Nation shorts, Super Best Friends Forever. It's Wonder Girl, Supergirl, and Batgirl. Uh, Wonder Girl is voiced by Grey Delisle. Batgirl is voiced by Tara Strong, who's in pretty much everything that is animated. And uh, Supergirl is voiced by Nicole Sullivan. Um, Now, Nicole Sullivan, she got her start on Mad TV. uh, And since then, she's been in a million things, both live action and animated. Uh, She was in Buzz Lightyear of Star Command as Mira Nova, um, on The King of Queens as Holly, uh, on Scrubs as Jill Tracy, um, Cougar Town, Penguins of Madagascar, she was Marlene. Um, so she's been all over the place and uh, provides the voice here for, for our, our uh, Cara. And uh, the shorts were created by Lauren Faust, um, which means a lot to me because uh, Lauren Faust also created the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic cartoon, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, apparently she loves everything having to do with friendship uh, and groups of <laughs> yeah, friends. Yeah. So uh, it makes sense that someone who created Friendship is Magic is also responsible for Super Best Friends Forever. Does it have the same kind of animation style? I'm, I'm curious. I've never actually watched My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. Like, especially uh, in the first short that we're going to talk about where, you know, begging Wonder Girl to use the plane and the big eyes, like that, even before I realized that Lauren Faust had created them, I looked at that and I was like, oh, my God, those look like pony eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's definitely a similarity there um, in animation style for sure. But, yeah, let's talk about that first short. Uh, the first one is called Invisible Joyride, and it first aired on March 17th, 2012. In it, uh, Supergirl and Batgirl convince Wonder Girl to take Wonder Woman's invisible jet out for a ride. So, Rebecca, what did you think about this one? 
Uh, I love this. I love the, I mean, all of them are really great, but my standout favorite, I know this is bad because it's Supergirl Radio, but Wonder Girl is like my favorite among these kids <laughs> because she's so melodramatic. She's so serious. And I think that's what is fun about the dynamic between all three of them is that Supergirl and Batgirl are uh, more kind of adventurous and, and have more of a playful side to them. But Wonder Girl is really serious. She takes her superhero gig <laughs> very seriously because she has a lot to uphold. She's an Amazon princess. You know, she's got to um, be serious about it. But uh, I, I love the idea that they want to take the invisible jet out to go get burritos in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you had an invisible jet, important. wouldn't you do that? Definitely. No, and I think it's funny because I think they were just um, – I don't know that they even wanted it just to do that. It's just they were looking for excuses to take it. I think yeah. they just wanted to take it. Like, And they're like, oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do that. And I have to say my favorite is uh, Supergirl wanting to TP uh, Lex Luthor's secret lair. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she says – I want to show Lex Luthor just how secret his secret lair is with about 50 rolls of TP. <laughs> she gets really excited about that. That's a lot of toilet paper, by the way. 50 rolls. That is a lot of, t- that's a lot of TP. It's, that's so much. Well, I mean, I assume he, he has a very large true, lair. True, true. He, he's yeah. a wealthy man. Um, and you know what's funny? I, um, I don't know if you have been watching the cartoon Steven Universe, uh, which mm-hmm. is on Cartoon Network now. You, you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Supergirl in this kind of reminds me of Amethyst on... I could see that. On, uh, on Steven Universe. It's like they have the same personality type of just like, yeah, let's go do this. <laughs> and, like get into all sorts of trouble and I don't care about the consequences because it's fun. Like that attitude, which I kind of loved seeing from Supergirl here. This is certainly the most fun we've seen her have, I think, in any of her incarnations. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that she wants to get in the invisible jet because she could fly anywhere she wants to, but she wants to take the jet because she's never been invisible before. So I thought that was an interesting take on that because, you know, she she doesn't really need it. Right. But, but And it's also an excuse for them to go and do something together, I think, is they, they want to go and do something fun with each other. Totally. And, and yeah, I do like that, that she wants to be invisible. Everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses and the things they wish they could do, even if it seems like they, they can do anything. And it's, it's cool to see that despite being so powerful, Supergirl would love to be invisible. And she, that's something she can't do. Right. Um, so she wants her girl to help her out. <laughs> and um, I love the, the bits where um, you actually get to see them with the invisible jet like Batgirl comes in and she's doing all these gymnastics moves on mm-hmm. top of the jet. And it's, it looks like she's not on anything. But I, I really enjoyed that part of the animation in the short is that you, you, you can imagine that there is a jet there because of all the things that they're doing on and around it. Yeah, no, it's really, really great. And, and not only that, but they, they, they know where it is. Like they totally yeah, they can see have it. the dimensions figured out regardless of it's being invisible. But I love that. Despite it being an invisible jet, it has keys you can see. Yeah, and there are two and like, keys. And I'm like, what are, like, I assume one key, like, starts an engine. I don't know how planes work. But, <laughs> um, but, but what does the other key go to? I, I you was, don't know how planes work, Rebecca? Well, I mean, I don't fly planes on the regular. Uh, but, but I assume one, like, you know, starts an engine or something. So what do you need two keys for? I don't know. Yeah, well, I love that it had the... Um, 
the Wonder Woman keychain. Yes. Like <laughs> these are clearly Wonder Woman's <laughs> keys because she has a keychain with her initials on them. Those keys go to something that Wonder Woman has. Now I have to say though, with Wonder Girl, um, I was wondering, I was wondering about yeah. her. Oh God, the puns, they burn. Um, I was wondering about her accent in this. Um, cause she seemed to have some kind of a, an accent that was, mm-hmm. I don't know where she was from. Like, That's pretty that, good, actually. Is that Amazonian? Like, what is that accent from? I I've get- never heard Wonder Girl or Wonder Woman have any kind of an accent like that. I guess she's just supposed to have some sort of, uh, some sort of, just any kind of accent I think would work just so that she's different from them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they would pick that voice in particular, but I kind of love it. It seems seems very, um, not ancient, but, uh, kind of otherworldly. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's fun. And actually, you know, the Amazon is in, you know, I mean, (laughs) not that the, you know, Amazonians live near the Amazon, but like, it is a Latin American oh, river. True, so. true. <laughs> Maybe they were just inspired. I don't know. I like that. I also thought one thing about Supergirl in this short was really fun was that when they can't get Wonder Girl to change her mind, because she's very serious, she doesn't want to take it out with her, you know, sister not knowing about it. And when Supergirl is like so frustrated about her saying no, she like super stomps on the ground and you can kind of see his, see things shake. So I thought that was a fun little thing for her in the short that she uh, when when she gets angry, you don't want to you don't want to take her off because she can uh, make some things get crazy. I know. Yeah. And, and you will see that not in, in the uh, other show, shorts we're going to talk about. But, yeah, she, she loses her temper very quickly mm-hmm. and in a very adorably horrible way. (laughs) She's, she's like ready to explode. She's like stomping all over stuff. But yeah, like one of the things too, that I liked about Supergirl in all of these, uh, going back to the animation style for a bit is the fact that she, she looks like she's like a thicker build. Right. Um, you know, she has like the wide hips and the wide legs and, and she's kind of, you know, very like stocky. And I, really appreciate that um that she's not drawn like this you know she's usually drawn very like very thin and very slender um despite you know obviously having this super strength um sometimes she has a bit of muscle but it's always like this perfectly cut muscle yeah um and i love that supergirl in these looks really sturdy like she can she can get in a fight and you look at her and you know she can take somebody probably whether she had superpowers or not just because of the way she's built yeah she definitely um is drawn more, I, I would say, more realistically. I don't know if that is a good way to put that, but, yeah, she's hmm. definitely drawn a little more, uh, a, a little differently uh, than some of the comics that we've read. So I think that's really cool that she it's a different look for her. And yeah. it's and they all, they all uh, Wonder Girl, Batgirl, and Supergirl all really stand out from each other. So mm-hmm. I think that's uh, really important that you can separate each of them. Definitely. They don't have the same body type. They don't have the same coloring. They don't have the same anything. It's it's Right. They, they were each given particular attention. Right. And I love, I have to say, the way, the, you know, the, the short wraps up with uh, them convincing her, uh, convincing Wonder Girl to take the plane by saying, hey, we're going to, you know, those burritos we're going to get in Mexico? We can give those to orphans in like a war-torn region. <laughs> yeah, let's go take the plane. And that's what sells her on taking, taking the jet out. It's true. So, yeah, I, I enjoy that one. 
Wonder Girl yeah. is is that that's a very Wonder Girl centric short. So she's she's really fun in that one, and yeah. uh, it's it's fun that they end it with hey we're gonna go help people and not just like go off and hang out and do things for ourselves that we're actually gonna help people. So I thought that was cool. That it sort of ended on a heroic note, even though they were gonna go and go out and have fun together. Yeah, and cause trouble and. Wonder Girl's probably going to get yelled at when she gets sure. back, but oh, whatever. There's going to be total, <laughs> total ramifications for their actions, but hey, they're going to go have fun. Now, yeah, you said that uh, this one was a Wonder Girl-centric short. Short number two um, is more of a uh, Batgirl-centric short. Uh, it's called Time Waits for No Girl, uh, and it first aired um, on April 7th, 2012, uh, and basically, Batgirl has to try to sneak out in time to get in on the action when her friends are off to take on Poison Ivy. Why don't you start with, uh, what did you think of this particular episode? Well, I liked that we get a sense of her home life. Like, she's at home and kind of, it looked like she was doing some homework or something. And she's hanging out in her room. And they don't du- directly say his name, but, I mean, it's... Commissioner Gordon or James Gordon, yeah. however you, uh, yeah, I don't know what his position at the GCPD is at this time, but it's it's fun to see him even in this short where like he's not in his police attire or his detective attire, or whatever. He's kind of at home being a dad, which I thought was mm-hmm. really interesting, and uh, I I just think it's fun that she has this dad monitor in her room that she can activate from her room that tells her when he's asleep. I thought, mm-hmm. wow, that's actually pretty nice. Um, so she uses that to sneak out of the house without him knowing. So I thought that was really funny that she has her own bat gadgets like Batman would. She has her <laughs> own technology and her own little bat cave in her room. So I thought that was fun. Totally. She has her own, like, tween version of all the stuff that Batman has. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think... Um, Having all the bat gadgets uh, like Batman does just reminds me of something that is coming up in a in one of the shorts that we're going to discuss in a bit, um, where she talks about like the sign of the bat, and she makes a very like <laughs> yeah. But uh, we can get to that later. Well, she actually when she's running through like she she gets out of she sneaks out of her house and she's kind of running through the streets I guess of Gotham and she's like got these springs on her feet where she's running out on the rooftop. So she was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's. That's, a, I guess, a good way to do that. Um, but she, like, does this bat pose in front of the moon. And I thought, oh, that's, <laughs> that's kind of fun. So, yeah, that's a, it's neat to see her, like, using batarangs and things like that. What I like about this series of shorts so much is that they really are kids. Um, or sometimes in the other media, you know, even though Kara is 16 or, you know, whatever, a high school student, it still doesn't feel like she's a kid. Um, whereas in this, it's totally like little kid problems, like getting out of the house because your dad's going to yell at you, like your big <laughs> sister is going to yell at you for taking her plane. Like, right. <laughs> and that just was so weird to say just now, like my big sister is going to yell at me for taking her plane. Like I, first, that's, hashtag first world problems. Yeah, right. <laughs> first world superhero problems. <laughs> um, but I love that, you know, her biggest concern in addition to Poison Ivy is that her dad's going to find out. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's really, really charming. And I like that she has Wonder Girl and Supergirl that she she gets to the place where Poison Ivy is, and she's like, oh, I might have beaten them. 
Like, I just think it's it's cool that they all want to go out and fight crime together. So yes. It's, it's a fun little dynamic that they've created this little team together because, mm-hmm. because they are friends. And so when, you're, when you have a group of friends, you want to go and do things together. I, I know when I was a teenager, that's, you know, I wanted to go and hang out with my friends and do whatever they were doing. So I think that's fun that they, like you said, they have it, a, a feeling like they are still kids. And and to do things like as as a unit is so important. Like it's when you have shared interests with your friends, it's like that makes it that much more fun. It's like joining drama club or joining mm-hmm. like, you know, a sports team or joining a superhero team. Like <laughs> doing stuff with your friends just makes it extra awesome. And uh, actually, I, I, you had something interesting to say about uh, I and I totally missed the reference to uh, Ferris Bueller. Oh yeah, so she's. What I it made me think of Ferris Bueller was that she, Batgirl is running through the streets and she's trying to get where they are with Poison Ivy and she's like going through all of these rooms of these people's houses, like interrupting their dinner or whatever. Like she's going through their homes, and that made me think of how I think it's at the end of Ferris Bueller where he's he's thinking he's going to get caught for yeah, having snuck yeah. out of the house and played sick all day. And he he does the same thing where he's, like, jumping over people's fences and, like, going through yeah. their houses. And so, yeah, I thought that was kind of a, a fun little – and I don't know if that was intentional, but that's where Rebecca's brain went was yeah. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I'm sure – I feel like so, – because I didn't get that the first time, but now that when you said it, I was like, oh, yes, definitely. I'm sure – Someone on the animation team was trying to make that reference. Well, I appreciate it. appreciated <laughs> it very much. Then we go on to the next episode, um, which was short number three. And this actually was one of my favorite ones. Um, this one is called Grounded. And it first aired on April 28th, 2012. And in this one, Superman tries to stop Supergirl from sneaking out to fight crime when she's grounded. <laughs> Yeah, this one this one is really fun, and it, this is the Supergirl centric uh, short. And I think it's cool that they gave each. There's only five of these shorts, so three of them are character centric. So there's a Wonder Girl, there's a Batgirl, and then there's the Supergirl. And I, I like this one because you see that she's living at the Kent farm. She um, she's living there. We we don't see Pa Kent, we don't see Jonathan, but we do see Martha there. So she is living at the Kent farm, and it's kind of fun that. To think that even Supergirl gets grounded. <laughs> you know? And Especially I, somebody with uh, with powers like that. It's like you got to keep her, you know, <laughs> reined in sometimes. Yeah. How would they enforce that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also well, kind of want to know, what did she do to get grounded? Yeah. They never do say, do they? They don't say. And, I, and I'm, part of me thinks, well, it's probably because she was going out and sneaking out with Batgirl and Wonder Girl and getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. So that probably had something to do with it. Yeah. No, and I uh, – well, it's funny because what could keep her um, – wh- how could they enforce that? W- my favorite part about this short is that, you know, Superman is trying to keep her from leaving uh, after Wonder Girl and Batgirl come to, like, encourage her to sneak out. And Superman and Supergirl pretty much duke it out. Oh, they have uh, a big fight. A big fight. And I and I love that they're, like, throwing tractors at each other. It's so <laughs> yeah. hilarious. But my favorite part is that, you know, Superman is doing all this to keep her, uh, to keep her uh, at home. And all it takes is Martha Kent coming out and giving her a stern look. And she does this great, like, she's her head is bowed so low. And she goes <laughs> back into the house. And she's so, like, 
like the worst thing in the world for her would be to disappoint Ma Kent. Yeah. Um, and I love that that's what keeps her in check. It's, you know, they, they don't have to enforce it any in any way other than being like, I'm very disappointed in you. Get back in the house. <laughs> and the key thing for me is that she, Martha is, you know, because in different Superman stories, you might have a younger Martha Kent or you have an older one. This one is an older lady and it looks like, you know, she's just kind of coming out there on like the little front porch and she doesn't say anything. And she yeah. just waves her finger in a very disappointed fashion. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you're right. And it's funny that Supergirl and Superman sort of act like brother and sister, where yeah. they are both trying to get the upper hand on each other. Like Super Supergirl even gives Superman a wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a super wedgie. And when that happens, Superman has no other way to beat her than just yelling, Mom! like that's that's a way to get her in trouble and so uh, i think that was really fun that they kind of sort of act like the kids in the city they were both acting immature so definitely i I think that was fun to see especially with martha coming out there and scolding both of them totally oh my god and i have to say i love that talking about uh supergirl getting upset and stomping in anger and all of that i loved her reaction to uh, Superman telling her she was grounded and her face like turns this bright red and she has this like her face gets all crinkly with anger and then she just decks him like it's it was kind of the best little blow up of a little girl I've ever seen <laughs> yeah she, that's that's what triggers her anger is that he tells her you're supposed to be grounded both figuratively and literally. and literally yeah and that she really does explode and they're there that's when she super punches him into the barn so yeah they have a big drag out fight and and I do love that like I love that um uh, you know, because we're going to talk about this later in uh, uh, the fifth short, because they all kind of tie together for me. I like the world that that this creates and the characterizations it creates as a whole, because um, later on we're going to talk about Solomon Grundy. But in this case, I love that Superman is totally willing to kick her butt. Like, I will throw a tractor at you. I will, like, you know punch you in the face. I will drag you by your ankle to get you back in the house. And it's, it's a fight of equals. You know, he's not pulling punches. He's not like suggesting that she's weak and can't take it in any way. He's like, okay, this is how you're going to be. I'm going to give this right back to you. Yeah. And she she is giving him as much trouble as he's giving her. Definitely. It's definitely very equal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just surprised me that she just picked up a tractor and threw it at him. <laughs> but yeah, really, it was all about that moment for me when she gets called back in the house and she's just like, I'm sorry. And she's kind of floating very slowly back to the door with her head down, just like, I'm ashamed of myself. Well, um, and that's very teenagery, too, I think, when... I, I was thinking about, you know, when I was a teenager, like when I got busted for something and I, I mean, I was a, a fairly decent kid. I wasn't like crazy. Let's, <laughs> you were a troublemaker. Let's, let's not, it. let's not get, let things get out of control. I was, I'm going to call your mom and find out. I was, I was not a crazy kid, but if I got, if I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to, I would, I would feel bad. And I think that's very much on display there with her as, as kind of this kid who did something got scolded by her uh guardian and kind of had to go in and face the consequences 
And speaking of facing the consequences, I love that uh, <laughs> while all this is happening, Wonder Girl and Batgirl are watching from the bushes. And then when Supergirl has to go back in the house, you know, <laughs> Superman gives them a look like, okay, you better get out of here before I, you know, deal with you. They totally ditched her. Like, I kind of felt <laughs> like they were being terrible <laughs> friends at that point. Like, why didn't they stand up for her? They just kind of, when she got in trouble, they started to run away. And I was like, guys, you're all part of this. You came to her house to get her, and now right. you're letting her get in trouble by herself. I, can't, exactly. I, I, I could I could have used more of, you know, more from them as, as friends. Yeah. But at the same time, though, that's such a... a- a thing that happens, especially because they knew it was their fault. Like, true, they, they probably would have stepped for her if she if she wanted to come out. They would have been like, "Hey, let her do what she wants to do." But the fact that it was their fault, it's like, "Oh, we're so gonna get in trouble for this. Let's leave." <laughs> and I think <laughs> this is my favorite incarnation of Supergirl. I think of all the ones that we've watched and read, um, Supergirl in this episode, I was like, she's my favorite. <laughs> but anyway, uh. Well, let's get on to uh, the fourth short. Uh, number four is called Name Game, uh, and it first aired on May 26, 2012. And it's the one in which they argue over what their team name should be. And <laughs> Batgirl's suggestion is Super Best Friends Forever. And they have this argument, of course, while they're in the middle of a fight. And this time they're fighting the villain Cheetah. So what do you think about this one, Rebecca? Well, I like the idea that they are having this argument together or with each other, and then they start to turn on each other. It becomes less of a fight about defeating Cheetah as it is they start to fight each other over this name. And I think it's funny that, like, Wonder Girl totally doesn't understand it. Like, back, and this is a very, I guess, teenagery thing to do. And even, I guess, some adults do it now where you have those, um, are they acronyms? That's at acronyms is what I'm. Oh yeah, is the word I'm thinking of. The mm-hmm. SB, the SBFFs. Yes. And then you know Wonder Girl's like the subuffs. She had she totally. <laughs> I thought that was a very in uh, character correct thing for her that she didn't understand the totally. uh, shortening of the letters. So I, I I liked that you got to see what it would be like if these good friends started to turn on each other like Supergirl calls Batgirl Brat Girl. Yeah. And they, I thought that came out of nowhere. I was like, wait a minute, little Miss Kara. What are you talking about? Yeah, so they get really kind of angsty with each other. That um, yeah. but it, or, and it was over something as stupid as whatever you know their team name should be. But that's also very teenagery. I remember when I was their age, which I am assuming is somewhere between the ages of thirteen and sixteen. Let's say, yeah, I I had all sorts of stupid fights with my friends over stuff that I don't even re- remember now what the, what it was. <laughs> so I guess that's that's pretty um, age correct for them. Get ready for another horrible pun, because since they're fighting Cheetah, I was going to say they were being really catty with mm, each other. That, that's actually pretty <laughs> solid. That's pretty yeah, solid. Yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, it, what I thought was interesting, too, about this particular name is that it's Batgirl's idea to, you know, she says, we should be, we're best friends forever, and we're super. And I want it to be like, you're not super, though. Like, the other two have superpowers. You're not a superpowered person. I'm like, thought it was interesting that she came up with that name. Right. 
But, you know, well, maybe- super best friends forever. I guess the super is also describing their friendship as well. Right, right. We'll, we'll, ju- we'll justify it as that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I love, too, that the, the focus on uh, – that the, the team focus is about them being friends and not – you know, they're not trying to be like the, you know, Justice League. They were, they're about justice, you know. They're not trying to be like any of the other groups. It's like we're a group because we're friends and that comes first. Yeah. And any, any crime fighting we do is kind of secondary. <laughs> And to the I, fact that we're best friends forever. And I think part of it is just like, like we said earlier, like it's their way of hanging out. Like this is their, like when I was a kid, I would go out to see movies with my friends. This is like their way of hanging out. They don't just like <laughs> go see movies or have sleepovers or whatever. They go and fight crime together. Yes. So I think that's, that's cool that their team name does describe that uh, within their friendship. And I thought this short, short number four was a good Supergirl short too, because when she does get angry and she starts to call Batgirl, Bratgirl and do all that stuff, she ends up overpowering Wonder Girl and Batgirl. And she kind of immediately regrets it because she thinks mm-hmm. she's hurt them. So I thought yeah. that was actually a really good character thing for her that she can let her anger She's she's quick to anger. She's quick to getting upset about things. But when she thinks that she's hurt somebody, she hopes she can help them. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you see that in the uh, her reaction to Ma Kent in the one before and in this one. Like, she, she doesn't want to hurt anybody. And she knows when she makes a mistake that she has to deal with the consequences. And that's a very important part of her character. Um. Actually, something that I just my nerd brain went off um, with this because uh, when she realizes that she didn't hurt them, she says, "Thank Jorel," and I was like, "Isn't that Superman's dad?" Yeah, that and was like, a weird thing for her to say. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Wouldn't it be thank Rao?" But whatever, I'm not gonna judge. Yeah, um, that was very strange. But uh, yeah, I guess kids don't care <laughs> what you exclaim. But uh, now moving on to the last short, um, which actually was also a lot of fun and, uh, and a great one for the three of them as a team, was uh, short number five, Solomon Grundy, Don't Fight Girls. <laughs> um, that's the title. And uh, it aired September 29th, 2012. Um, and basically that's the plot is they're fighting Solomon Grundy and he looks at them and he says – Solomon Grundy, no fight girls. Um, that's so, it. That's the short. <laughs> that's that's the plot, pretty much. Um, <laughs> you don't fight girls, and they're like, um, we think you do, <laughs> or you're going to in a minute. But yeah, what do you think of this one, Rebecca? Well, I think it's funny that they continue to egg him on, and they want to fight him. And I, I don't know. It, at some point, I'm like, guys, if 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 he doesn't want to fight, maybe you shouldn't try to get him to fight you. Just it. it if you can get him without fighting him, maybe that's the best way to be. But they uh, sort of uh, tease him and taunt him, and uh, they eventually kind of defeat him to the point where at the end he's like, well, maybe I will fight girls in the future just because <laughs> they've, they've gotten the best of him. Um, but it's really funny because I guess they're trying to find something to do together because they have – developed their team this is like the culmination of all the shorts that have come before it 
because they've they've settled on the team name. They're all fine with the team name, and they want to go out and hang out and do something together. And so they want to find. They're trying to pick a fight, essentially. Yeah. And so I think it's it's fun that uh, when they tease him, Supergirl says, "Oh, come on." It, it'll be fun like that this is their idea of fun and wonder girl even says my favorite part of it is she's like we'll let you almost win yeah they are so <laughs> confident that they will get the best of him that they'll be like okay well maybe we'll let you think that you're gonna win so <laughs> I, I thought that was great that they were at least confident in what they were doing i mean because a running theme throughout all of the um uh, the young superheroes in in DC um, or young superheroes anywhere, and I have a soft spot for uh, for young superhero teams, um, is that they're always trying to prove themselves and that they're always trying to show that they are just as good and just as capable as the adults who are doing the same thing. So I feel like that was part of it too. Like they want to prove that they can fight somebody like Solomon Grundy. And, you know, people are watching this fight. You know, they're in the middle of the street and, yeah. you know, Solomon Grundy's like walking away and they're like, no, we can't let him walk away and not fight him. This is like <laughs> bad for our rep. We're going right. to look really bad, you know, and also because, you know, you could tell they were like really trying hard for a feministy message as well because, you know, it's like, oh, he's assuming that, you know, a team of, you know, young girls can't handle themselves. Uh, and obviously he's proven wrong at the end. Um, so there's definitely some of that too. And Supergirl actually gets really offended. She's like, what? You don't want to fight us? Yeah. So I think there's something in there about that, that they, they want to prove themselves. Oh, and of course there is the, uh, the awesome line, um, <laughs> talking about, uh, when the girls say, you might not want to fight girls, but we're equal opportunity butt kickers. <laughs> Um, which is just amazing. And like, we don't care who you are. We're just, we're, you know, if you're a villain, we're going to get you. And of course, after they, you know, take him down, he says, Solomon Grundy reconsidering fighting girls, <laughs> which he probably should, you know, cause <laughs> there are plenty of female superheroes that would not hesitate to take him down right. if need be. What do you think about, um, just over the course of these five shorts of, Supergirl as a character and of Kara as a character. I, I think you have to take this one into account, like her age, the circumstances with her hanging out with her friends. Some of yeah. so I, part of me like wants to be like, oh, she's, she seems really bratty and uh, spoiled a little bit. But then I have to remember she's a kid. She's hanging out with her friends and they're all kind of like that. It's not like one of them is better than the other. They're all right. kind of uh, silly. But I, I just like seeing her in a, a little more of a, a normal everyday stuff that she wants to go and hang out with her friends. And I, I, I like that a lot because it's something that you don't see a lot of. And yeah. I also like the fact that we get to see, because this is sort of mimicking the, the DC Trinity, like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Um, so I like seeing that she is not only just with her friends, but with Wonder Girl and Batgirl, because Batgirl, she has a lot of connections with. You see her, uh, like, in, in the the animated stuff, they make a lot of references to Supergirl and Batgirl's friendship, and that's also in the comics. And I'm trying to think now about Supergirl and Wonder Girl. Well, we've we've read some stories that have Cassie, yes, they, Cassie uh, Wonder Girl, yep. So, <coughs> so they did. So Supergirl and Wonder Girl have a relationship as well. And so I think that's cool to to not just see, like, 
her teaming up with Wonder Girl or just teaming up with Batgirl. She, she gets to team up with them at the same time. And so I really like that as that team dynamic. Yeah. And I do love that they, they did this and didn't include, you know, Superboy or, you know, any of the other like male superhero teams or superheroes uh, that exist uh, and like no Kid Flash or anything like that. It was just straight up just the girls hanging out, fighting crime. Um, I imagine they must have slumber parties too uh, oh, after a yeah. after a big uh, takedown. Um, you got to go and like have some pizza or something. Oh, totally. But I really liked seeing Supergirl being kind of like a little troublemaker and like a class in a class clown kind of a way. Um, nothing malicious, nothing having to do with her brooding about having watched her planet be destroyed, blah, blah, like all of the stuff that, you know, is in the more adult fair. Um, but she's just a troublemaker because it's fun and she likes having fun and <laughs> she likes playing pranks. She likes, you know, sneaking out at night to, to hang out. And uh, I liked seeing that side of her, definitely. Yeah, and you see some of that in some, like, of the comic stuff and definitely in Superman, the animated series, where she has a little more spunk to her. And mm-hmm. so I think that it's actually pretty, I think it's a little exaggerated in these shorts, but I definitely think you see some of that in different incarnations that she uh, is a little, a little bit of a troublemaker or at least willing to do some things that maybe other people wouldn't um, and having a kind of a, a, a snarky personality. So it, it is pretty fun. And I think these shorts are really well done. I love the animation style. I love that their voices are all different and I love the dynamics between them. And I hope, I don't know, the odds of getting Batgirl on the Supergirl series is probably, those odds are probably too insurmountable. At this point, just in case, you know, Titans happens and, of course, Gotham, there's or um, there's a chance that, you know, a Barbara Gordon might be born at some point on Gotham. Uh, so I don't know if we'll ever see Batgirl on CBS as Supergirl, but I really hope we get to maybe see a Wonder Girl. That I would love. That would be really great. Yeah. Um, I do hope that, that you know, I mean, we've, we've done a lot of talking about the crossover possibility between, you know, her and Flash or her and on Arrow. But it would be great to see another, you know, female DC uh, superhero that's her own age make an appearance entirely separate of those other shows. Um, so, you know, Mr. Berlanti, if you're listening, you know do that <laughs> wonder girl come on i mean wonder we, girl i mean the odds of us getting wonder woman are probably not good because she'll be in the cinematic universe but wonder girl maybe you can swing that wonder girl's totally possible totally possible maybe it's not i don't know i don't know from tv business um <laughs> but the other thing i was going to mention about supergirl as a character was that like i it's pretty consistent um throughout these shorts that they're going for the uh both the troublemaking kind of you know quick to anger you know kind of hot tempered wanting to do what she wants rebellious supergirl with um the supergirl that does care about people and you never lose that yeah um it's never just her being a brat and i'm really glad to see that also yeah you definitely see her her caring about people and wanting to do the right thing even when she gets caught and she gets busted, she does listen to Ma Kent and, and does what she needs to do. So there, there are both sides of her uh, to her character. And so I think that's very well done in the shorts. But yeah, this is it's such a great uh, 
a great introduction to the world of these characters. And it has a, a, a different feel and a different look from a lot of uh, different incarnations of the character that we've seen so far. So I think it, it stands out, really. The, these shorts stand out as kind of something very unique. Well, for now, um, those five shorts are the only ones we have. Um, so we're going to end the discussion about that there. And uh, as always, we're going to slip into the listener feedback portion of Supergirl Radio. We got an email from a listener named Amy Ziegfeld, who gave us some background on Supergirl Candor, or Candor, however you would like to pronounce that. Um, <laughs> Amy writes, quote, I just discovered your podcast after the, after the release of the Supergirl trailer and have been listening to it nonstop ever since. I'm finally caught up and wanted to write in to reassure you that if you were confused by Candor, you're not alone. Well, that actually is... That makes us feel a lot better. <laughs> that actually is very, very reassuring. Uh, she goes on to say, A Kandar was a confusing storyline that was part of an entire event of nothing but confusing storylines. After Infinite Crisis, DC decided to have all of their titles skip ahead one year in an event called, appropriately, One Year Later. <laughs> Every book was supposed to get a crazy new status quo with no explanation how they got there, with the idea being that what happened in the gap year would eventually be revealed. I think DC assumed readers would say, wow, what an amazing change. I'm super curious about how we got here from there and want to read more about it. What readers actually said was, wow, this is really confusing and I hate it. <laughs> DC quickly pulled the plug on one year later, resulting in the new status quos being abandoned as fast as they appeared. You're not really missing anything on the Candor story. What you see is all there is, and after it ended, there was an unspoken agreement to never mention it again. <laughs> so funny, because that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah, it's, that's how it totally reads. Like, yeah. Uh. The Power Girl on the Daily Planet issue is an odd inclusion in the trade paperback. I think it's to introduce readers to the character of Power Girl in case they're unfamiliar, which is probably a good guess. It's odd because it's issue two of a four-issue storyline that is 100% unrelated to Kandor. <laughs> the person causing Power Girl's hallucinations is a totally different person than the one doing the Kandor mental, mental projections. To be honest, the early issues of the 2005 Supergirl series are not my favorite. They're some of the first comics I collected when I started reading comics, and I felt I got whiplash with the different brand new starts Supergirl was given every month. <laughs> On the plus side, you're very close to a significant upswing in quality. Sterling Gates started writing Supergirl with issue number 34, titled Why the World Doesn't Need Supergirl, which on top of being well-written, felt like an apology to fans and a promise to do better <laughs> with the character. It definitely got me on board for the title again. I believe it's the first issue collected in the Who is Superwoman trade. Thanks for all the hard work you're putting into this podcast. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, Amy, thank you so much for that background on that particular uh part of the Supergirl comics history because that uh, actually answers a lot of questions. Yes. And I've heard so so many good things about Sterling Gates's um, issues and stories, and I'm very excited to get uh, started talking about those because uh, I've heard so many good things. Yeah, I'm so excited that we're going to get uh, to actually talk to him next week. Yes. Um, and thank you so much uh, for listening as well. That was, uh, I'm glad that you powered through all of our episodes and that you enjoy them. Yes, thank you for listening. 
Now, our friend and sometimes guest, uh, Michael Bailey, sent us an email to chime in on the matter of continuity versus canon. Uh, And he writes, quote, Maybe it's when I started reading comics and the type of person I am, as someone that consumes fiction in multiple forms, continuity has never really bothered me. In fact, I crave it. I don't want creators to get lost in it, but at the same time, if I'm following some form of serial fiction, comics, novels, television shows, etc., I want there to be a pretty clear progression of events. The fact that the trade you read referenced back to other trades is just how I like it, because if I've read those stories, and to be fair, I read these these in single issues as they're coming out, then I feel like I'm a part of the club, and if I hadn't read those stories, I'll probably want to go back and check those out. Having said all of that, I do think there needs to be a balance. I wrote that I don't want creators to get lost in their own continuity because that can make climbing on a little daunting. Teresa was right. You shouldn't have to read 30 to 50 years of stories to understand what's going on. At the same time, I wouldn't want to see every arc start fresh and not reference what happened before. In the end, it really depends on what you want to get out of your fiction. Some people want everything to be new reader accessible. Some want a long-form story that builds on itself. Both are perfectly valid ways of telling stories. For me, I like continuity. When I started reading Superman, the Superman books in 1987, I felt like I was getting in as close to the ground floor as I could, and I loved watching that version of Superman develop. The backstory as it developed was a large part of that appeal, and when the death and return saga happened... I had been in harness, so to speak, for five years and felt like I was being rewarded for sticking around every time they pulled something from the past. Um, thank you, first of all, Michael, for that, uh, for that insight and, uh, and for you know, sharing that with us and for always being such a great guest when we have you on. Um, I mean, I agree. I, I'm not entirely anti-canon, um, but I think that a good storyteller in part you know, does both. Um, so you put something in there for the fans and to reward people while also being new reader friendly. I don't necessarily think it has to be one or the other. Um, cause I think that if you are only focusing on, on, uh, canon, like many comics seem to do, um, it will turn a new reader off. Whereas like every issue that you pick up should have something for the old fans that have been there a while and something for someone new who that might be the first issue of something they've picked up. But yeah, overall, it has to do with storytelling. And uh, whatever story is happening, even if I have never read these characters before, I should be pulled into what's happening right now on the page in front of me. Like, ooh, I want to know more. Yeah, that's a really tricky thing to pull off, I think. Um, yeah. I, I'm no writer, but it seems like that would be kind of a, you're kind of having to walk with your your feet in both sides of the the continuity and, and canon situation so that that can be very tough but I, I think you're right I think good stories kind of stand alone what I prefer is having a standalone story but then having like little things sprinkled in of yeah. stuff that I can go oh that's kind of like a little easter egg I appreciate that so mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah I guess like Michael's saying like it kind of depends on how you prefer your fiction but I, I do think that standalone stories are my preference yeah. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, we definitely encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. 
And we are a part of the DCTV podcast network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DCTV podcast mega feed and follow at DCTV podcasts with an S on Twitter and like DCTV podcasts on Facebook. Uh, you can always find me over at the Mary Sue. Uh, I'm an assistant editor over there, and that's themarysue.com. Uh, we're providing geekiness every day, served up right for your enjoyment. <laughs> um, you can also find me at my blog, The Teresa Jacino Experience, which is teresajacino.wordpress.com. You can find me on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash Experience, And you can find me on Twitter at Teresa Jacino. You can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And join us next time when we'll be discussing Supergirl Who is Superwoman and Supergirl Friends and Fugitives with the writer Sterling Gates. That's going to be so cool. So definitely tune in for that. Well, till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And next time you fight a supervillain, make sure you let them know you're an equal opportunity butt kicker. (laughs) 